Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is especially for our podcast listeners, and it's designed to help us get into God's Word for about, oh, about 12 minutes each day, a short Bible study, but in that way to keep us in touch with God's will for our lives. It also is designed to help keep us focused on our spiritual well-being and our relationship with our God. We want to encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can. You may help somebody start to turn their thinking around, to turn their life around, to have a better mindset to take on the day, whatever the day may throw at them, to start thinking about their soul and also about their relationship with God. You may help them get on the right path that ultimately will lead them to eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven itself. So think what a great impact for eternal good you could have on other people's lives just by sharing these short studies. You can do that through Facebook friends, also text messages, or maybe some other technological means that you have access to. So share with your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your work associates, anybody and everybody. It could change a person's life for eternity, for the good. We started talking about the restoration plea in our last time together. We talked about how to restore something is not just to give it a facelift, not to bring it up to date, so to speak, because the idea of, of, of restoring is to go back to the original. To go back to the original. People who are very good at restoring old automobiles, they understand the principle. They go back to the original kinds of parts, the original equipment, the original color of paint, and so on. The same kind of tires, perhaps, if they can find those. They want it to look original, just like it was when it was originally manufactured. Well, how many times do people buy an old home? It might be 100 years old. And they buy it because they look at it and they say, you know, that is a great home. Let's buy it and restore it. So they go back to trying to restore it to its original appearance. Well, we're talking about not restoring cars and not restoring homes or other things that are common to this world, but we're talking about restoring the church that God sent his son into this world to establish. Now, the restoration plea, again, has been taught in our land for about two centuries now, but many people in this generation have never heard the restoration plea. They don't know what it's about. It says simply, let us speak where the Bible speaks, and let us be silent where the Bible is silent. Let us call Bible things by Bible names, and do Bible things in Bible ways. Let us restore the church as it was in the days of the apostles. A whole lot of people want to make the church more modern, bring it up to date in their minds, get it in in sync with the times and the thinking of culture that we're in right now. That's not the church that Jesus established on this earth. That's not the church as it was in God's plan 
before he ever created mankind. God knew exactly what he wanted his church to be. He laid that out for us in scripture. And we cannot do better than God in its design, in its function, in its structure, in its teaching, in its practice. God is wiser, far wiser than we are, and also he is authoritative, and we are not. Well, when one speaks of restoration, the restoration plea for the church, four things are implied. We ran through those quickly last time as we closed. First, the restoration plea implies that God had a plan for the church. God is not haphazard. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The restoration plea also implies that God expects us to continue to follow his plan. Now, how arrogant it is of us, and perhaps how careless in some cases it is of us, to think that we can do it better or we can change it to suit ourselves. We cannot change God's plan for the church and be right with God. The restoration plea also implies that man left God's pattern for his church. Hence, the whole understanding, the principle of restoration. And then finally, the restoration plea implies that God wants his people to restore his original pattern for his church today. Well, let's look at the first one. The restoration plea implies that God had a plan for the church. I've been to the largest home in America. I've toured it a couple of times. It's the Biltmore Mansion in Asheville, North Carolina. Now, you know, you walk through that amazing home. You cannot see all of the rooms. There are so many that they keep a great many of them locked up most of the time. But you can see the vast majority of the structure, the openness of it, the grounds, and so on. It's, it's amazing. It is awesome to behold. To think about how the owner who had that built spared no cost in producing what he wanted it to be. But when you go down into the basement of that mansion, there's a model of the structure there. The model was completed first as a guide to build the home. If you go to Barcelona, Spain, you can visit the still unfinished Sagrada Familia Church. It's been worked on for about 50 years now. There's a model of what the building will look like when it is finished. You know, that's the way it is with just about any structure that is built in our country or around the world today. There's a model first, at least in the, in, in the form of a drawing. In many cases, if you're talking about a high-rise office building or something along that nature, or even a church building, there's a model that is produced first to help people see what it's going to look like when it's finished. Well, the restoration plea implies that God had a plan for the church when he revealed that, which he revealed to man 
on this earth. In Isaiah chapter 2, in verse, beginning with verse 2 and reading through verse 4, we read this, prophesied by Isaiah of the coming kingdom, showing that God was already making his plans for the church of the New Testament, already making those plans 700 years before it came to be, before he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to establish the church, and before he laid out in more minute detail in the New Testament scriptures what he wanted the church to be and to teach and to practice. Isaiah wrote, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it, and many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall, bear, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Again, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, in a much briefer form, we read similarly. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You know, all the kingdoms of the earth ultimately come and go. They come to an end. It's difficult, really, to keep an atlas of the world in up-to-date form because nations keep changing. Boundaries keep changing. But you see, the church that God sent his son to establish on this earth, he says it will break all of these kingdoms that Daniel has been talking about, break them to pieces. And the, the church, which is the kingdom of God, on this earth, would be here for the end of time, till the end of time. In Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, we begin reading with verse 8, and we see that God had his plan for the church going all the way back before he created mankind. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, the apostle Paul wrote, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God already had the plans for the church in his mind before he ever created mankind. In his foreknowledge, being able to look ahead and see that man would need redemption from sin and that he would need a savior to redeem him. 
and God would send that Savior in the form of his, or in the person of his own son, Christ, to be the Savior and also to establish the church on this earth, through which people could come to learn the gospel of salvation and be saved in Christ. We're going to stop here, come back, and study some more next time. Father, thank you for loving us so much that in your foresight, you had the plans already in place for the church to be established on this earth according to your will and your purpose and your design. Guide us and help us to respect your design and your purpose and your plans for the church and to cherish it and to always want to be a part of it. Guide us to live to your glory. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Our prayer is offered to you in the, son of, in the name of your Son. Amen.